Spinning the Reel, a podcast by Evan and Cody. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spinning the Reel. I am your host, Evan. I am your co-host, Cody. And uh, once again, Cody, we have a special guest with us. I'll let, I'll let you do it. Go ahead. All right. Zach Attack in the house to finish up the Decades Project. How you doing, Zach? I'm good. I'm good. That was it's, very enthusiastic. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Me? I was enthusiastic. Zach was <laughs> no, like, No, I was being good. serious. You were being okay. enthusiastic. Uh, Zach, today <laughs> is uh, <laughs> June 30th. It is the uh, last day of the month, so we're here to close out our month of 1940s movies. Cody, what are we talking about today? We, as I mentioned on the last episode, are going to be talking about Casablanca and Bicycle Thieves, which I thought kind of paired nicely together, if I'm not going to lie. so Yeah, I think so. I Do think they're both kind of real lie to today. No, I don't, I don't normally <laughs> lie, Zach. Like, you're, like you and Evan, especially Evan, are really nice, cool people to me. <laughs> Good cool. to know. So, uh, Cody, we, we've had some more technical difficulties this week. Uh, what's going on with our social media? It's not technical difficulties. It's that Instagram support doesn't want to talk to me. I have put in numerous reports. Oh, wow. Reports. Even the support doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah. So <laughs> that's where we're at. So, yeah. So I'm still locked out of the Instagram account. So that's why you see no updates on the, tw- uh, I was going to say Twitter, but the Instagram page. We still have you Twitter. You don't see any updates on the Twitter because I'm too lazy to post them. That is all on you. Okay. Sure. You diss me for the Instagram account. I'm dissing you for the Twitter account. Technically, I'm dissing myself, but that's okay. I'll let you let you have that one. Um, Yeah. So hopefully we'll get back on Instagram soon. Um, But otherwise, it's all we've got today, right, Cody? Yes. So let's let's get back to the decades project. All right. All right, guys, the first movie we're going to talk about, Cody mentioned it in the intro. We're actually doing two movies here because of uh, some issues with the Instagram, uh, meaning that we couldn't actually pick one for the poll. So we're going to talk about Casablanca and Bicycle Thieves, but we're going to start with Casablanca. So Cody, as is tradition here at Spinning the Reel, tell us what Casablanca is about. You know what? I thought I'd make this really short, really sweet little humorous. Here's my plot description of Casablanca. Women change people, but then again, so does war. And in this movie, you get both. Wow. Would you agree? (laughs) Did you write that all by yourself, Cody? I did. Zach, would you agree? Uh, I'm not saying it has to be perfect. I'm just asking, do you agree? Sure, I agree. (laughs) Now give him a grade. C minus. That is you know way what? too generous. Pitiful <laughs> effort gets a C minus. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Casablanca oh. is more than that. Uh, you know, I'll try my best. Or do you want to try? Go ahead. I want to hear this. <laughs> All right. So it is post World War II in the city it's dur- of- during World War II. It's definitely it during. Good. Yes. Oh yeah, 1942. My what, what did you There's- think all the soldiers were doing there? I don't know. 
See, this is why I shouldn't give a plot description. We've actually talked now for five minutes on me giving a plot description when one of you should have given the plot description. I wasn't ready for this plot description. Okay. Yeah. So basically it's about a guy that runs a bar in uh, Casablanca in Morocco uh, and his ex-love uh, from Paris comes through and is trying to escape with her husband and it creates all this um, tension and drama and it's, uh, it's very, very good. Right, guys? It's great. I agree. It sat with me and I bumped it up half a star. Which, by the way, Zach, I owe you an apology for the big sleep. Because Humphrey Bogart, Humphrey Bogart is really good. So I had to go back naturally. And if I can give other movies a half star for having jazz sequences in it, then God damn it, I can put an extra half star for a movie that has Humphrey Bogart in it. So <laughs> just so you know, the big sleep for now is now two and a half stars on my letterbox. All right. So you're welcome. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's like saying I really like blockers. So now I have to give every John Cena movie an extra half star. I don't, think it, on, I don't think it works on, like that. You don't already do that, Evan? I mean, I love John Cena, but like, what was that one that he was in where he was like a firefighter? The children playing with fire, something like that. Yeah, did you give it an extra half star? If I'd seen it, I definitely would have. Wait, is um, that a real movie? Yeah, yes. he's like a fire captain <laughs> or something, and he has to adopt these children that he finds in a, in a house or something. That's, it was weird. Wow. I don't know. Um, anyway, that's not what we're talking about, though. We got to that's good tangent. Again. Zach, I'm just going to give it to you here. Why is Casablanca so great? uh it's just like it's like well executed in every way so kind of the sum of all its parts is like greatness um it's uh humphrey bogart and ingrid ingrid bergman again Mm -hmm. from you know the big sleep on screen together well ingrid bergman Um, in the big sleep oh you're right um uh but they're kind of like huge stars of the of that of the decade right Mm -hmm. both of them respectively um sorry i i'm tired <laughs> uh so the, the the acting is really well done and um the characters certainly feel real and then the situation that they're in has like pretty high stakes so it it's very easy to like become invested in in the story and the characters uh and it's it's just really good it's like really great to watch um uh Humphrey Brogott's character um Rick is kind of like a you know um this this uh fast talking guy who's who's kind of distant from everyone mm-hmm. and uh you know, and has like an air of like mystery about him and it's because of you know um Ilsa Ingrid Bergman's character that like he was hurt in the past and he's just this kind of like lost guy that's finding his way back to being human when when his lost love walks back into his life see that's a good plot description um well we cody, finally got there cody did you like casablanca i did uh just for some context i know you're gonna ask me anyway evan so i will right off the bat i had actually never seen this movie in its entirety before um until i watched it for the podcast so uh initial impressions were you know the I liked what Zach said, the sum is a whole of its parts because like for me, you know, Zach just mentioned some main characters there with, you know, Humphrey Bogart owning the uh playing Rick and 
being a suave guy and owning this, you know, nightclub and stuff. But you had a lot of good, like, supporting cast, too, that I thought played, like, really well and absolutely, like, just in- elevated the film even that much more, uh, such as Sam, who was the piano player and stuff in his club and there for him. And obviously then at the very end with, uh, or not even at the end, but the line, obviously, from the end of the movie, like, this beginning of a great friendship with uh, Captain Louie and stuff, like, just every character, even if as minuscule as their role might have seemed, just played elegantly, obviously, off of the three main characters where, you know, you have Rick owning the nightclub and his love, uh, Ingrid comes in and, you know, mm-hmm. all that and them trying to, you know, we haven't even discussed the political aspect of the war and trying, you know, refugee and all them trying to get away. So Rick's obviously quarreled from the beginning of the movie on whether to help or not. So, and we'll get into that, but. I mean, yeah, overall, like, there's just, you know, so much pop culture in this film that is still, you hear about or is used in some shape or form today. Um, and it's just nice having context to that and going through the whole movie. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's like, what do you, what is there to say when someone asks, like, is this a good movie? Do you like this movie? It's like, everybody loves Casablanca. It's It's kind of widely acknowledged as one of the greatest movies of all time. And... I mean, I don't think I've met anyone that's seen it that doesn't at least like it to some degree. Uh, like you mentioned, Cody, there are just so many iconic lines throughout the movie. Um, you mentioned that one at the end. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Like, here's looking at you, kid. Like, there's so many things that people are just aware of, whether they've seen the movie or not. And that's uh, impressive in and of itself. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit to sort of like the technical greatness of the movie because you guys have both spoken to sort of the way that it's entertaining uh, to follow along and the plot and everything is really engaging, which is a great strength of the film too. But just the way it's put together is incredible as well. So one of the things I noticed, I just rewatched it right now. And this, the movie opens up on, uh, on Casablanca as a plane is descending into the airport right over Rick's, um, rick's cafe right and you can see the sign and it's sort of like you're being welcomed into the city you're landing in there like you're one of the refugees coming through right like you're uh victor laszlo or or any of the other poor souls that that filter through rick's cafe and you follow along with this whole plot you learn everything that's going on over these couple days and then the film ends with an airplane taking off from that same airfield off to America, right? And so you are sort of flown through the movie as if you're one of the characters in it. And I think that makes it really engaging on a certain level. Um, so yeah, so that was that was really cool. Uh, there's a lot of other things that sort of mirror each other as well. So like um, with Humphrey Bogart's character, Rick, sort of sacrificing himself or letting go of Ilsa um, and letting her her fly off without him because it's what's best for her is the same thing that um, that Ilsa does in Paris, right? And when you see it in the flashback scene. And so it's sort of this, this nice circle for where these characters end up back in the same place they were when they started more or less, but they've all kind of become different people throughout the process. Rick goes from being jaded and, and, broken to as i think zach put it like found himself again and you can see it throughout the film uh maybe no better place than uh, when he helps the uh, the bulgarian couple 
in the um, at the roulette table uh, that he's like his heart is sort of melting again like the ice around him is starting to thaw and it's just a really technically great movie in that sense too so you get sort of both sides of it is there Zach a scene for you that really stands out when you think about um, about this movie Mm, I really like um, that kind of uh, final um, conversation between between Rick and uh, Victor Laszlo, mm-hmm. where um, Ilsa's already come and like threatened him with a gun, and uh, Victor's like, "Look, man, I'm you know I I'm I don't think I'm gonna make it out of here, but put." put Ilsa on the plane because I want my wife to be to be safe and then uh Rick is kind of like you love her that much on and Victor's like of course I love her like I I I know about you guys just because you guys aren't subtle but (laughs) um but yeah of course I love her enough so I want her to be safe and so then that's kind of like the moment where you see the gears turning in in Rick's head like man maybe she does belong with this guy and uh, he kind of comes up with this whole um, ruse to, to get them safely off the plane together. Yeah. That, that is a good scene. Uh, yeah. That's a really great conversation between those two characters and kind of like, um, you know, pit, pits them against each other. Right. Especially because they both sort of are after the same thing and they don't get a lot of screen time together before that scene either. So no. this is sort of like them well, actually, coming together. I mean, I think they're on screen together a lot. They just don't speak to each other. Right. It's always kind of through third parties, like either Renal or mm-hmm. or he's still speaking. Or they're having like so. a group conversation or something. Yeah, exactly. And Rick has never really like engaged with him beyond kind of quips. <laughs> so yeah. in that final moment where he's like, Rick is like looking in a mirror, you know, in a certain way and, uh, Lazo proves that he's kind of like worthy of of uh of Ilsa's love and then like he you know it's 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 worth it to believe in something and and to like care about things because he says something like you know Rick you see me as only the leader of this movement but I'm just a human being mm-hmm. of course I love her that much so yeah that that's probably um one of my favorite scenes is is that uh, final conversation between them Well, not final, but, you know, that conversation before kind of the climax of the movie. One of the interesting things, because you brought up that he mentions like that, yes, I love her that much. I am pretty sure that Ilsa never tells Laszlo that she loves him at any point in the movie. But she does tell it to Rick. And then I also don't think Rick ever says it to Ilsa, which is just kind of an interesting dynamic that they all have. But yeah. Cody, did you have any uh, anything that stood out specifically for you? Uh, I think my favorite scene was him at the bar after he Rick at the bar after he had seen uh, Ilsla and mm-hmm. uh, with Sam. I I really fell in love with Sam's character. Like, hey boss, like I'm not gonna leave you, blah blah blah. And I don't know, I just I found it kind of humorous and comforting, and I thought that was just a really good scene. Um, like I said, I mean I know the main characters are great and you could speak to it, but I for whatever reason, it's a lot of the supporting cast that I just fell in love with, with their humor and demeanor in the movie. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That scene is really great too. Like the whole extended scene, the way that 
Sam plays into the flashback and then you go, you get their whole story in Paris and it ends and she walks through the door. That's like a really nicely constructed transition there. It really uh, stuck out to me as well. I, I am, of course, I mentioned the, the Bulgarian couple and, and you see Rick sort of redeeming himself from not getting involved sometimes when maybe he should have earlier. Um, and then it transitions into a really great scene that I think is maybe the most famous scene of the movie, but it's where the German soldiers are singing. I, I don't know some German song or the German national anthem. I'm not sure exactly what that was, but Victor Laszlo goes over to the band and, and tells them to play uh, Le Marseillaise and uh, the whole, the whole bar starts singing along with them. Um, how can, I, I don't know. How can you not love that scene? Right? Like it's just so, it just kind of gives you chills, right? Like the movie and, and this kind of transitions into what you were talking about earlier, Cody, the, the politics of the movie um, yeah. with Rick, not really wanting to get involved, but there being Nazis and Italians and, and French That's what I, and everyone yeah. there. But like you see Victor Laszlo, you see like, it's a point of his character that he knows that he's blacklisted. He knows that he's wanted that, that he's being watched, but still he won't sit by and let the Nazis take over this bar, right? Like he's, he is determined to fight for freedom, even in the smallest of situations, which is, mm -hmm. I think, like a really cool scene. You were going to say something, Cody? Yeah, because I was going to weigh in at this point um, with the aspect of the, like, I liked finishing with this movie. And as I mentioned off the top, Casablanca and Bicycle Thieves, I think, play well into movies. You know, we didn't obviously do this in any type of order, but to finish with these two, I was kind of not discouraged or anything like that. I don't know what the right word to say is, but like World War II was such a big thing during this time period. And I hadn't really seen like individuals affected by the war. I think Bicycle Thieves does it the best in terms of like how an individual is affected by the aftermath. Uh, this one, obviously during, I like seeing that. And as you mentioned with Rick, like at the beginning, it's like he's cold, kind of like I don't stick my neck out for anybody. Then as you know, past love comes in and you see the change and there's scenes in the movie too, where it's like, Hey, like you, you have a good heart, even if you're going to play like this cold shoulder or this, you know, macho kind of guy. Cause they even say like, Oh, you, you know, fought for, I don't think he fought, but they talk about like Spain and stuff and like a couple other wars. I think that he like, he was technically on the losing side, but you know, moral compass was in the right direction. And you see that develop uh, through this movie. And that's what I really liked about uh, not only the political aspect, obviously with the scene that you just mentioned, but, and as Rick develops as well. Um, but the romanticism, of course, that is inevitable in this movie. Um, they just both intertwine and play nicely off each other. And it was just nice, I guess, finishing with a movie that obviously so well you know, known and I think stands the test of time. Um, but to have that feel of, okay, this is what it was like during World War II for certain individuals. And I just don't think we had seen a movie yet that really played to that. Um, and we'll get into that as well with Bicycle Thieves. So I like seeing that. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. What, what do you think, Zach? Do you, I mean, do you feel like it stood the test of time in that way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a reason it's like regarded as, you know, one of the greatest films of all time, right? It's, uh, it still holds up really well. Because at its, at its core, it's really just that, like the story of, of a man who is kind of callous mm -hmm. um, or like, you know, uh feigning kind of this this uh standoff standoffishness um 
to kind of like protect himself right but really he's just kind of not over this this love that he had so uh he's again he's like finding his way back or he's the situation the circumstances force him to confront what he's really doing and mm-hmm. um it comes through you know in exposition as well i think it's laszlo who says like you know rick you're you're just running from yourself like you're never gonna you're never gonna escape y- yourself and so um it's just like i think you know even even if you don't relate to it on a scale of like you're you're a player in you know the resistance against the nazis in world war ii like everyone can kind of relate to that in some way in something you might be uh like avoiding or uh, you know that like circumstances force change right you you have to grow so i think that's like a timeless kind of tale in that in that sense yeah i i'm with you there both of you guys are made some good points there and in terms of why this movie has has stood up so well i think that it might be the quintessential uh refugee movie more than anything i mean yeah, I, we all remember it as this um, love story between Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. But at the same time, like everything that happens in this movie is rooted in getting refugees to safety and telling their stories, right? Like Victor Laszlo and, um, and Ilsa are both refugees, and that's the reason that they're in um, Morocco. So is Rick, right? He had to flee Paris. And you have, again, um, just various people filtering in and out that are trying to escape fascism. And I think that if we look at the world right now, too, like you just see all this hyper-nationalism everywhere, and there's an ongoing refugee crisis in the world that it, it doesn't feel that far removed from the current moment, even though this movie is, what, almost 80 years old. So I, I think that is perhaps part of the reason why this movie is as timeless as it is as well. What yeah. else, Cody? What else you got? Yeah, I think it's, um, like I said, I think it needs, if it's your first time watching it, uh, it, it takes a while, I think, maybe sit with you. It did for me, at least. Uh, like I said, initially, I won't get in the letterbox review, but I did bump it up a half star. Just thinking about it, hearing, like, reading reviews and stuff, and just repicturing like certain images and certain scenes in my mind, like you guys have already mentioned, we've talked about so far. Um, there is just those factors that just play on it. And it's like, I don't, I don't have a fault in it kind of thing. It's just, it was mm-hmm. good. It, it told a story. It, it intertwined with the time period. I think that's something to really take into consideration. If you're watching it, obviously 80 years later now, you know, all of that plays a factor and you look back and put yourself in, that time period and those shoes with the circumstances it's like wow that was actually a very you know cinematic tale and luckily or not luckily i guess it still speaks volume to today with situations that are going on in the world um so there's definitely stuff to pick out of it and you know being on hbo max hbo max man coming in clutch man with all these movies uh definitely something worth watching for sure a lot of good old movies on there all right well you guys want to round it up yeah let's round it up zach attack what you got you awake still buddy i am here yeah and i was just thinking about how even though it is you know uh an 80 year old film it's it doesn't really feel dated does it other than maybe some like technical aspects like it's shot in black and white and uh you know the way the characters speak maybe Mm -hmm. and then obviously it takes place in world war ii like um kind of mid world war ii 
but it doesn't yeah, it, seem it's a like, very nice film to look at for sure it doesn't seem it doesn't feel dated right like you're not you know right. it, it seems like a like a movie that could still be made today i mean um, they basically it's so, did it's just so they, they called it's so sharp and kind of the same thing <laughs> it's so it's so like sharp and and just um kind of flawless uh in my opinion which which is really nice segue into my perfect uh five star rating for casablanca very smooth. that's how you do a segue evan that was good cody oh, you bumped it up I, half a star to two stars no no no. <laughs> Ca- casablanca was tenfold better than the big sleep for me i bumped it up from four to four and a half i am sitting at four and a half Maybe if I rewatch it again and pick up on, you know, little details here and there, it, it might become a five-star film. I just, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the, like you said, the time period and stuff, but there are just a few things that I don't want to say were a hiccup, but just off-putting in terms of when like I was what? watching it. I thought it was slow well, to start. Just, just slow to start. Like, that was my biggest complaint was I was just like, mm, it's a little slow for me. Um mm. They kill Peter Laurie in like the first ten. Yeah, minutes. seriously. <laughs> I was like, when is it? When is it slow? It opens with uh, telling you the situation. Like, this is one of the last free bastions in Europe to to even have a chance to get out to Portugal to get to America. Right. Maybe not the first five minutes. <laughs> but like it's like the first twenty. And then you immediately meet Rick, and his friend is like, "Hey man, Ugarte, I got the yeah. golden ticket out of here." And uh, I'm gonna be rich forever. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets killed. Yeah. And then Peter Laurie's great Rick is, too. Rick is left holding this like ten million dollar bag or whatever, kind of like you know, no country for old men. It's like the the item that everybody wants. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. I can't, I can't even give a star rating without getting berated for it. So four and a half. <laughs> Go ahead. How dare you only give it four and a half, Cody? This is a five star movie. Uh, bite me. Kiss is still a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. All right, guys, so Casablanca was not the only film we watched for the decades project we also watched bicycle thieves which was the week one winner of the poll cody what is bicycle thieves about all right zach here's here's redemption from my c minus i put a little bit more effort into my plot description see if you like it so this is post-world war ii i know that post-world war this one did happen It's a mix-up. So, yeah, and it's in, uh, it takes place in Rome, Italy, and a man by the name Antonio Ricci walks around the city with his son, Bruno, in search of his bicycle. Because a bicycle, in this case, means a job as a poster boy, which in essence means money. And that means Bruno can enjoy mozzarella sandwiches from time to time, like all the other well-to-do families not stricken by poverty. Zach. What do you think, buddy? Uh, I think it started out good. Um, Whoa! And then it got bad? 
<laughs> just, I mean, I don't see, <laughs> I don't see how mozzarella sandwiches are relevant. That's what the, the movie rest, is about, Zach. It's yeah, about it's mozzarella the, sandwiches. The enduring chase for for that sweet head of mozzarella. <laughs> that was like one um, of the best scenes. We'll get into it, but I think it was good. I'm giving myself <laughs> an A minus. But go ahead. I'd give you a C. A C on that? Oh, unbelievable! Hey, at least you gave yourself an A minus, Cody. Um, that's a b yes why not um yeah so that's sort of what bicycle thieves is about mostly about the bicycle part um i full disclosure i watched this movie about a month ago and did not have time to revisit it before this episode so uh it's it's not the freshest in my mind but i'll start off by asking you zach uh what did you think of it generally uh, I thought it was really good. Um, kind of a bit uh, of a hard set, yeah. It's it's really a film mm-hmm. full of like anguish and and desperation and just kind of like this overt in your face bleakness um, of of like their situation because you know their family is really um, destitute, like they're really struggling day to day, and you get this like the movie opens with, with um, a sense of hope because uh, the main character, um, Antonio, he gets a, a job, but he needs a bicycle, which he pawned. And then his wife sells their sheets, um, which I guess at the time were like, you know, really important uh, mm-hmm. to, to the family. So it's kind of like a um, – selling everything you you own at this point right to get this bicycle back back. yeah yeah and so then he can have this job and then of course day one on the job his bike gets stolen it's just like crushing at every turn and so it really does a um uh, almost like a you know this this undulation of like okay things might be good no things are bad and then things might be good like there's a little glimmer that they might get the bike back and then no of course not so it's like really uh crushing at times yeah i like the word you use bleak to describe the movie it it kind of is and i found it stressful almost at the beginning when he gets the bike back and you know the movie's called bicycle thieves you know his bike's gonna get stolen at some point but and he just like leaves it places for the first like 20 minutes of the movie he like leaves it outside of a door while they go up to talk to that um that psychic and he like leaves it by the wall when it gets stolen. And every time he walks away from the bike, I just, you just like tense up because you're like, ah, someone is going to take his bike. And then it does sort of settle into this, this sort of morose sort of exploration of like how desperate he can get um, mm-hmm. as he's trying to find this bike, what he's willing to do to get it back, what he's willing to do to provide for his family. And it, bleak is, is probably the best word to describe this movie did you find that that experience as well cody you know i've also come to the realization that the two of you together make the perfect plot description so i don't know why i give plot descriptions (laughs) anymore what are your impressions of the film here by the way this is what it's about so uh but yeah i think uh you do find it well what was your question again bleak right what do you think of the movie that's the basic question (laughs) (laughs) fair enough but I mean, we should note that it is in Italian. It is not in English. It is a subtitled movie. I don't think we actually ever mentioned that, which I think is kind of relevant because um, I think if you add that 
or don't add that, right? Like if you had no subtitles and did not speak Italian, this is in my letterbox review, you could watch that movie just by the picture and their demeanors and everything and get the same sense of feeling that you would if you even understood every word of it. You would see that he pawns off, right, his bike and then they sell the sheets to get the bike back and that it was important for him to have his job and obviously it gets stolen. Here you have him, you know, with the son dynamic duo. He takes his son around town and stuff and gets a couple people to try and help him find it from them pawning off parts themselves to try and make money, obviously, because it's, mm-hmm. it's harsh times for everyone. And you would have got the same sense. I, I feel like I would have felt the same way. You would have felt bad at the end of the movie um, with the bike being stolen and just his desperation just by their demeanor and the way they looked and everything. Even if, like like I said, you don't even have to, there didn't even have to be words to that movie. And I feel like you would have come out with the same sense of feeling of, that was kind of sad. Definitely. I mean, the moments that stick with you aren't really moments of dialogue anyway. I mean, at least in, in my case, yeah. looking back on it, I, I don't think I could even remember a single line of dialogue that really stood out to me. But mm-hmm. you do remember certain images from the film and the crowd gathered outside, um, hoping to be the one that gets called for, uh, for a job. And when they're in the, it's, I think it's the church, right? And the, the homeless population there is like waiting for a meal. And like, those are some of the things that stick out for me. And I, you mentioned it off the top, Cody, that these movies are sort of a nice pair. And I, I think that's because you can draw a line between these movies and the current moment as well. Did you find that as well, Zach, that, that Bicycle Thieves was pretty relevant to right now? Absolutely, right? I mean, we're kind of in a time um, even before uh, this pandemic where, at least in America, you know, something like half of all households can't afford an emergency bill over like $400 mm-hmm. without being, you know, devastated. Uh, so I think that's really um, something re- unfortunately is relatable that uh, so- losing something like a bicycle or like, you know, a means of transportation or, or access to a job is, is uh, particularly um, devastating. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what this movie is about, right? One hardship away from basically losing everything. And yeah. like that, that is, very of the moment. Did you do you find that as well, Cody? Yeah, right. You don't know how valuable something is to someone unless you're in their shoes. And you know, oh, what could be so devastating about losing a bike? And as my plot description described, it's right. for him making money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the money, right? Not Here's the, the thing you didn't respect about my plot description <laughs> is that I said it was about money. Um, it, and I'm going to put it in there. Let's talk about Bruno for a second, because I honestly found this movie to be pretty bleak as well, like Zach was talking about. But Bruno is just, like, consistently delightful throughout the movie. Just, like, an adorable little kid running mm-hmm. around and, like, trying to help his dad with uh, through this whole whole thing. And, um, and his dad, too, like, you can really see the struggle going on with him having his son along this whole journey right he doesn't want to let him down he doesn't want to look weak to his son but like you can you can see the struggle on his face as they're like sitting on the curb and uh and trying to figure out what to do did you were you yeah. were either of you guys uh struck by bruno at all 
I'll weigh in. Yeah. I mean, right. He starts at one scene or one point. He gets so overly frustrated. He yells at him and tells him to wait on the bridge. And, you know, five seconds later, hey, someone's drowning in the, the river. And here he comes running, super paranoid, super like, oh, sh- crap, that's my son. Yeah. Finds out it's not him. And, you know, then he kind of realizes like, man, like th- there's no reason for me to take it out of my kid. Hey, you know what? Why I'm going to die if I worry anyway. Let's go get a mozzarella sandwich. And then there's that whole scene with the mozzarella sandwich. (laughs) I love had to put that in there as well. But, but like, right. Like he's a kid, but he's, he realizes it too, where it's like, dad, can we really afford this? And even his dad's like, no, we we can't like, and we'd have to make a million dollars if we wanted to eat this every day, like they are right there. And then he feels bad and puts the sandwich down and stuff. And like, like he realizes it too, right. Bruno realizes it. And, like you said, he plays really well. That that dynamic duo with father and son plays really well. And Bruno's not really, neither of them were uh, well-known actors, right? They were kind of just brought in for this whole neorealism thing uh, mm-hmm. for the film. So I mean, that's impressive in itself to just kind of bring this kid in. And he kind of steals the show, obviously. Um, and really plays to that uh, dynamic duo that, like I said, you, you you relate to that, right? You, you don't have to understand any of the language but, except the body language, and you relate to that father or relate to that kid in some way. So, so Zach, I was going to ask you about your thoughts on uh, that portrayal of, of parenthood in that, but I think the more pressing question is, what did you think about the mozzarella sandwiches? <laughs> this is important, Zach. Your answer is everything to me for the Monster. real question. Please answer the other one. <laughs> mozzarella sandwiches are are delicious um yeah uh i think cody's dead on in that in that if you if you uh didn't even if you didn't understand the language you could still see like the dynamic between father and son mm-hmm. and um how much bruno like looks up to his father and he's a good symbol for like innocence in that way because i mean he's a child right and children are innocent and then um he's he's a good symbol for like for antonio's innocence as well because it's as he goes on kind of the, this this descent um, into like hopelessness uh, over the course of the movie, you can see like him starting to like become um, less convicted of his own like morals. You know, he starts um, uh, accusing people like more um, aggressively, you know, like on like a, yeah, yeah, like aggressively and like kind of on a whim. And um, you know, he's he's physical with the old man and then also with uh with a thief and then finally by the end he kind of gives up on everything and and decides to try to steal the bike another bike himself so uh, and then that's of course devastating for for bruno seeing his father like kind of throw everything out that way and um him being the you know the bicycle thief that that he detests so much yeah i think that's probably what makes this movie so good is that elliptical nature of it, right? You see him go from basically innocent, right? Just trying to provide for his family to ending up stealing the bicycle at the end. And it really, like you feel bad for him at the start, but then going through that whole thing, we don't know the situation of the guy that stole his bike, right? Like that could have been the whole journey that got his bike stolen in the first place. And so it, it just makes for a really interesting film to reflect on when you look back and see how that ending is, is so connected to the beginning. Although they're, they're still a likable pair and you, you do kind of want something to go right for them. 
What do you think, Cody? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I don't have a whole lot else to say on Bicycle Thieves, but you guys just watched it pretty recently. Do you have anything else that stuck out to you? I think it's shot really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the uh, probably like the most iconic scene um, is when they're you know all hope is kind of lost and they're just sitting on the on that like um, sure. cement block or I guess it's like a stoop right it's like a porch. Yeah, I, I thought of, it was like, like a curb there. or something, but yeah, yeah. Like and they're just kind of sitting there talking. That's really good. Um, and yeah, just I, I think it, uh, it it looks good. How about you, Cody? Any uh, anything else that sticks out about it? Yeah, I kind of alluding to Zach's point. It's it's that frantic camera, like in the streets, and you see the franticness of everyone moving around. And then you know, there's that scene where he's trying to go to the you know wherever they're pawning off everything, and everything's like set up like a vendor, like selling individual bells, individual wheels, and here he has a couple of people that are trying to help him find like each part of his bike and stuff like that. It just, you know, for not having much other than a bicycle being like stolen, of course, it, there's just those underlying factors. It's like, yeah. Um, that just, that just seemed to work. Um, not perfectly. Um, and we'll get, I guess, into the letterbox. I, th- this is my segue into my letterbox roundup at this point. <laughs> I gave it four out of five stars. Very nice. Zach, how about you? Yeah, I'm on the same rating. All right, we're going across the board four out of five stars. For but me as Evan, well. wait, why wasn't it perfect, buddy? What was wrong about it? I just didn't think, I mean, it was just bleak. I think Zach mentioned it, right? It's, it's a tougher sit than something like Casablanca, where I didn't find the experience of watching Bicycle Thieves quite as enjoyable as some of the uh, other movies that I consider to be perfect. How about you, Cody? That was a good answer. Uh, uh, ditto. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's wrap up the Decades Project proper here. Uh, this was our first time doing one of these things. Hopefully, we uh, we get the chance to do this again in maybe the coming months or something like that. But uh, overall, what did what'd you guys think about it? I'll start with you, Cody, um, as being sort of your first experience with some older films from like this era. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a good decision and good talk when you brought it up when we Thank you. started this back in June. I know. Yeah, kudos. Um, Everyone, give me a round of applause. I will. Here you go. Um, nice. But yeah, right. There's not any new movies coming out, and I think movies that are iconic in this way. I think we've hit a lot of them and famous lines, famous scenes, a lot of stuff you see in pop culture today. You might not know like the origin all like the entire origin of what's there so it's nice to have the time right now with nothing new coming out to go back right because if there was new films like in 2020 21 22 right 
you're constantly moving forward, you're really not taking the time or noticing what was there. So it's nice to take that pause to go back to see cinema of kind of where it was developing, where it started, relevant to the times and stuff. Because, you know, just like movies are relevant to our times now, it's going back in someone else's shoes, as we kind of mentioned with Bicycle Thieves there. And mm-hmm. being in that situation just to, you know, what was what was life like back then? What did movies do for people back then and how they affect today? So um, I enjoyed it. And there's definitely some movies that I would definitely go into Letterboxd now and scroll through the 40s or even obviously later decades and say, scroll okay, well, HBO Max. Yeah. And say, hey, what, you know, what, what's rated top in Letterboxd? And, you know, should I watch it? Why should I watch it? And, just makes you think a little bit more. Which Humphrey you? Bogart movie am I going to watch today? Yeah. <laughs> and why it deserves an extra half star. Exactly. How about you, Zach? Did you, uh, did you enjoy this, uh, this whole process? Yeah, I did. Definitely. Um, I think Cody makes some good points. Uh, the only, the only one I think I didn't get to was the great dictator. Mm-hmm. Cause we did what the red shoes and then um, the, big the big sleep. sleep. And then these yep. two, and uh yeah it is it is nice to like look back and see um what kind of films like influenced you know or big influences on on um cinematic kind of cinematic history right um and are still kind of highly regarded and and iconic so it's always it's always interesting to look back and see what inspired uh future generations and then uh, cody alluded to it as well like that the movies that are made, you know, or in any generation, the art that's created is like a reflection of, of what that generation was, was experiencing. So it's definitely um, insightful in that way. And it, they, every, I think, you know, all the picks were, were good as well. There wasn't one that was like, eh, you know, maybe this one could have been skipped or, or um, wasn't, to, didn't like hold up, you know, as well. Uh, Maybe you guys feel that way about the big sleep, but I still think it's kind of like culturally important. Definitely. I do, I do think the big sleep is culturally important is a good way to put it. Um, it's at least still, I don't know if, if you're interested in film history, beneficial to watch as well. Um, I, I mean, you guys kind of said it all. I, I agree with the, the whole thing. Some of these movies I'd seen before, some of them I hadn't. And, uh, it was fun to get to see how how they all reflect modern, not even just modern film, but like television too. I uh, I started watching the show Community, which was on TV uh, like ten years ago. I think it started, but it's Jeez, one of these that, shows that long that, ago already. <laughs> yeah, it started in 2011, so or almost there at least. No, 2009. Yeah. 11 years ago? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that sounds right. But it's like a very meta show that references old movies a lot. And like a lot of the episodes are structured like some of those old movies and stuff. So it's just kind of interesting to see something like Casablanca or Bicycle Thieves and how they resonate and reflect even today still. Like they they live on in modern media too, which is sort of interesting for like we've been talking about this whole time these movies are like 70 80 years old now um, but they still they still live on is there anything that we didn't get to um i'll go to cody first that that you wish we could have i think uh 
we took a lot of consideration into the poll, which I'm going to throw you under the bus. You'd already seen every movie before the polls were even done. Except, except Rebecca. All right. Except Rebecca. But I think outside of Rebecca and then Citizen Kane, I think those would be my top choices. I think we took a lot of time and consideration on what we picked because of how big scale um, ratings they were and then how they were obviously culturally relevant as we're talking. So mm-hmm. outside of the poll, those are the ones I know of. And like you said, I mean, I know there's probably hidden gems if I take the time to look that they're there. But those two for sure were two that I want to go catch up on still, even though they didn't win the poll. Yeah. How about you, Zach? Anything that, that you'll be looking at maybe? Um, I'm, I'll probably get around to The Great Dictator eventually and definitely some more like comedies of the time because mm-hmm. these are all, all, all three picks are kind of like period dramas, you know. Um, so definitely like seeing what, what uh, was like funny, right, in that, mm-hmm. in that time and like what comedy was in, in film. Because I think, I think the 40s was like um, when Abbott and Costello was kind of popular um and then i also like uh like thrillers and, and you know more kind of um mm-hmm. horror stuff like like uh like hitchcock too those were probably like some of the blind and the, the bigger blind spots from the four that i watched at least but uh otherwise i think pretty solid all around yeah i think that's a good point we we really didn't diversify too much in terms of um the the genre that we were looking at in uh, in this and that was just a, a matter of like the movies that appealed to each of us individually happened to be um, sort of similar in tone so that would be interesting I think to see um, maybe some comedies actually I'm like I'm looking at the list here and it seems like it is a lot of uh, at least the top of this list is a lot of uh, a lot of dramas and then some Alfred Hitchcock's cock movies like you said well um, drama i think just tends to be just tends to like stand the test of time the most because that's true usually the usually the the conflicts of the center of dramas are like more relatable um on a human level right than like what might be culturally yeah. scary or culturally funny at the time no that's that's for sure i think that that comedy is very dependent on the era although i'll say that i watched um an old Oscar winner from 1934. It happened one night, just like a romantic comedy. And it, it holds up pretty well. Like, so if you find the right film, uh, the, some of the humor can still hold up pretty well. I think um, I do want to talk about real quick though. What, um, what was your favorite film that you watched from this series, Cody? I had to go back. I was torn, man. I really liked Great Dictator, which, by the way, Zach's going to watch it. I'm going to look at his letterbox review, and he's going to give it two and a half stars just to spite me. <laughs> I just know it. He's going to be like, wow, Cody, this movie sucks. Why would I watch it? But uh, I'm torn because I like the real aspects of Casablanca. I like the romanticism. I like how it really depicted well individuals affected by the war. That's kind of what I was looking for when I started this project, knowing the time period with World War II. Um, but at the same time, on the flip side, I like the humor in it, too. I know that sounds kind of bad, but, you know, right, it, to make fun of the situation, knowing after what happened, though, obviously, at the time when he directed it and starred in it, we didn't really know the ramifications of how it was going to play out. 
but just to see how stupid like the whole thing was and how wrong Hitler and all that was. So I like that aspect of comedy. So that's why the great dictator, great dictator really hit well with me. And that last five minute monologue, of course, is probably the most chills I got out of any of the films we watched. But if I had to give it to a single film just for everything I kind of just mentioned, I'm, I'm going to edge out still Casablanca. I think it, adds, it, it gives you a little bit of everything for what a movie should be. Um, and so I would give it still to Casablanca overall but it is very close. Mm-hmm. I think The Great Dictator might have been the only movie that I had rated lower than you in this series, Cody. Mm. Well, I'm not sure. Anyway, how about you? Uh, for you, Zach? Yeah, I think Casablanca is just a slam dunk. It's just so good. It is. It's, it's really great. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch on this episode already, so there's not really much more to say. But yeah, I would uh, also go Casablanca, even though I liked The Red Shoes quite a bit. All right, and then finally, um, this is really just more for Cody. You want to do another one of these at some point, buddy? Buddy, I'm glad we're buddies still. Um, I'm, I am down. I want people to catch up with the 40s and then hit us, hit us up and say, hey, what decade do you want? But I'm willing to go in order. We could do the 50s next, then the 60s, then the 70s. But, All right. Well, yeah. So we'll probably take next month off of uh, of a decades project and and reevaluate. But if there is anything that anyone wants uh, wants us to watch or is really passionate about, you can make your case uh, by sending us an email to uh, spinningtherealpod at gmail dot com. Um, we want to send a big thanks to uh, to Zach here for joining us for this whole project. I think. Uh, I can speak for both uh, myself and Cody in saying that you've provided a lot of uh, good insight on the films that you've joined us for. So we, uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So it's, uh, it's always, it's always great to be here. It's fun talking movies with you guys. Nice. Are you good with Zach attack? You know what? You can email us about it. If you want your name changed, <laughs> if yeah, actually oh, our audience could email us as well to say change oh, Zach attack. Support. It's not working. If you so. don't want yeah, your name email Zach attack, leave it in a review on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, but yeah, we, we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate any comments you guys might have. You can reach out to us on Twitter and like Evan already mentioned the email address and, just hit us up and if you liked it that's great and that will just incentivize us to do it again later and even your thoughts on the decades project we've already done what your guys' thoughts were on any of the films if you agree or disagree and uh, of course appreciate the listens so that would be great yeah and well i didn't mean to make that the close but that's a pretty good place to to end things so uh yeah let's wrap it up here for listening